Welcome to episode 60, Fish Across the Pond, a Marlins UK podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and joining me today, his first Fish Across the Pond appearance, it's 790 the tickets, Brendan Tobin. How are we? I'm good, Peter. Thanks for having me on, man. Very excited to be on the show. Oh, well, not as excited as me and definitely Rob Newell when, uh, when he hears this one. This is going <laughs> to be a nice surprise. Great to have you on. Um, for the UK listeners primarily, uh, how, how would you describe 790 The Ticket and the show that you're on there? Like, how, how could you kind of summarize that just so they can get their heads around it? Yeah, I, I mean, I host what's known as like the morning drive uh, slot, of the, slot of the day. So basically everybody who's going to work is listening to us for their sports talk. Um, and we cover it all, man. You know, we love having, I think from my, one of the differences with my show is probably doing a lot more Marlins than anybody who's had my time slot. Um, and, uh, their, their media relations department's been fantastic. I will, you know, the, the change in regime, it's, it's night and day as far as the accessibility that they've given us. Um, we've done some really cool things as far as like, uh, you know, taping guys and, and getting some slots in there. So yeah, man, we're just, um, we, we try and hit it all, but we, we're, we're definitely not, uh, I would say, your hot take, uh, super intense sports show. We like to get and uh, we like to bathe in what we like to call the silly sauce, you know, get into some shenanigans and, and have fun in that regard. I love it. Any, any description involving shenanigans to me is <laughs> it's always, that's a good recipe for, yep. for success. How would you, like percentage-wise, how much of your time and focus would you say, I guess, right now is given to the Marlins? I would say it, it's probably, I would say it's probably smaller. It's probably like, you know, 15%. But I would say that's a big up from what they were probably getting, which is like two. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I will say, like, they've been a very good store. This has been the best year as far as Marlins content. Um just the team has given us in a long time because you know with what people have to understand in the UK I guess about the Miami relationship and I'm sure you know this because you cover the team is uh, the relationship that the team has with the city is very complex because of all the issues with ownership you know the new stadium and all that type of stuff Um, and a lot of fans feeling uh, you know like they've gotten the rug pulled out from under them a bunch of times but you know I thought as a guy who's been in sports radio down here for a long time, once I got into this slot of, you know, doing, you know, being one of the main hosts on the station is I wanted to come at it from a different angle because everybody's done the whole hammer them over the head for the old stuff left and right. So, you know, I, you know, I've come up with, I think, interesting ways to talk about them in a positive way. Um, I've recruited, you know, a friend, Macho Marlins, man, he helps me out on the show to talk about it. And I think that their guests have been fantastic this year. I think guy, I think the listeners have loved talking, uh, getting to hear from all the guys. Um, we've had some great former Marlins on that have that have been great. Mm. Um, so it's it's been a big uptick this year as far as our Marlins coverage, definitely than I think in years past. But to you know, down here it always is going to be Miami Heat. Miami Dolphins, especially now that the Dolphins have two of Vailoa, mm-hmm. you know, it's that those are just always going to be the main, you know, the main stories in town. But I think that I always feel that in a, in a five, five day a week show with four hours a day, there's no reason you can't give, uh, you know, some love to all of the teams, whether that be the Marlins, whether that be the Panthers, uh, 
you know, I just think it's, I think it's, it, it helps. I think it spices it up too. Cause yeah. even, you know, even on a day like today where the heat have like a huge uh, playoff win, you know, by the end of doing four hours of, of uh, celebratory stuff, you kind of run out of the things to say the same way. So it helps. Yeah. And, and this is, um, you know, not, not off topic, but uh, for the listeners and for those who don't know, it's, it's 6 a.m. until 10 a.m., right? It's the four hour slot. Yeah. I mean, so I guess you guys could listen to us. Our podcast is always up by like 11 p.m. I guess it would be your, your guys or no, it would be 6 p.m. by your guys time. No, no, wait, let me see. I'm, I'm doing time zones very terribly. Yeah, you'd 11 a.m. So 4 p.m. Like 4, 4 p.m. your time. Our podcast was always be up. I don't know if you guys can get us live uh, on the radio.com app, but you can get our podcast. And our podcasts are on Apple Podcasts, you know, wherever podcasts are available. Um, they're usually up, I would say, by 4 p.m. London time. Awesome. Um, the one follow-up question, and then we'll we'll dive into it. Cool. When you're doing and you committed to a, you know, five shows a week starting at 6 a.m., how tough is it when you've got late night sports that have to be watched late night beers that have to be consumed whilst watching sports. <laughs> and then you got to get up and do your show. You know, you're probably awake at like, I don't know, four thirty, five o'clock or something. Right. How tough is that? It's actually, this has been the easiest stretch of my career because we're not traveling to the station. I actually live our normal studio is like almost an hour away from my house. And, uh, so that those were the days where I was waking up at like three thirty in the morning to go do the work. I literally like right now because of uh, you know COVID, we're doing everything from home. I uh, got a little home studio set up, um, and I, uh, I I like rolling out of bed. <laughs> I, I do all my work. I I write everything. I prep everything, and you know probably getting more sleep than I ever have. I'm probably rolling out of bed at like five forty fire up my coffee and I'm, and I'm good to go. Cause I wrote, I have everything written the night before. So, um, but that's, you know, that's never been a huge issue. I've always, and I know people say this isn't good for you, but like if there's ever been crazy big games, um, I will usually, I find a way to make up for it on the back, on the back end somewhere. I feel like, yeah. um, but you know, I think it is important to watch stuff and know what's going on. Cause I do find the nights where if I don't, I don't feel like I do as good a show the next day. So yeah. I've, you know, I'm very, I'm very happy with what I do for a living. And so I find it to be very, uh, a, a very small thing to give up to, to try and do a good job for the listeners. Absolutely. I, I can talk to that too, as well, because there'll be like, and there's been last season in particular, when we started the pods where, you know, you go on stretches of maybe like a week where you won't even watch a game live because a Marlins game live because the times just don't work and they're all late through the night. Then you fire the podcast up and you've only seen like the condensed highlights. You know, it isn't the same. You miss so much in the condensed yeah. package of five minutes. So you just don't do a good, good a job. I, I definitely feel that too. So um, good. Well, listen, I mean, there's three main segments we're going to get into. We're okay. going to dive into... The Marlins to date in, I mean, <laughs> the crazy thing is they've only played 50, uh, sorry, 30 games. They've only <laughs> played 30 games. It feels like they've been playing for months already. So a quick review of where they're at. Then we're going to dive into the deadline, which was yesterday. And then we're going to look ahead to the, the next 30 in, in what is the, the 30 game sprint now. Um, 
But the one thing else just to mention to everyone, there is an alter ego of yours that we do need to highlight as well. So Macho Marlins man as well. It's, it's one of my favorite, uh, favorite follows and favorite watches, I guess, from, from the content you put out on that front. Uh, I guess we do need to kick things off on that front too with a, oh yeah, I guess, yeah? Oh yeah. We got a big deadline. Mike was out there wheeling and dealing. We had to give up a lot. But I feel like we got a lot back. Starling Marte going to be the star of the new Fishes lineup. Yeah, we got all the reinforcements coming up from the farm system. Making some arms expendable, yeah. Plenty of victory Slim Jims coming the Fishes way. Lots going on. No further questions, Mean Gene. Big year coming. <laughs> Love it. Absolutely love it. Get those Slim Jims coming. Keep them coming. <laughs> love it. And, and by the way, like a Slim Jim, like this doesn't really translate to, to the UK. <laughs> it, it, it's like a pepperami, I think, right? It's kind of like a meat type. And like a meat stick, yeah, a pepperoni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, awesome. Uh, um, I, can't, I can't tell you how thrilled my wife was. Elizabeth was when she uh, was able to find all these Slim Jims, victory Slim Jims. I'm trying to explain to her what it is. Uh <laughs> Goes, I've been loving it. You've been yep. you've been having to hammer them in. I've seen you've been nailing them into the wall or something. The slim gyms, yep. right? I mean, yep. you know, you run out of wall space. Yeah, we just did like a whole like we did a lot of our house got fixed up, but the garage where the studio is, that's mine. So I can Good. kind of mess with it as I please. Uh I don't know if that's still you know, that still flies with dried up meat up on the wall, but <laughs> gotta do it for the bit. Listen, it's, you know, if it's your space, it's your space. You know, you want to decorate how you want. If it's victory Slim Jim's nailed to the wall, I'm all for that. So, hey, and the one thing, I guess, you know, the max number of wins this year would have been 60, right? So at right. least. <laughs> that would only run me like, I don't know, 100 bucks. Exactly. Slim Jim's, you can get good deals on Slim Jim's. <laughs> I, I would assume they would have been free by now. You know what I mean? Get that, get that sponsorship package. Going I would think so too. I was like, where do people get Slim Jim's anymore? Uh, we have this convenience store here called uh, uh, 7-Eleven and they had like these and every flavor and they actually had them with Macho Man on there. And I was like, well, I have to get all of these. And they were like extra large and a little more expensive, but I felt like that's eh, worth it. They were rolling at that point too. Love it. How did that kind of start up, the kind of macho Marlins man? It was funny. Uh, you know, so like I was saying, like I felt like the old bits of everybody just bashing the Marlins down here had been kind of just dried out. Uh, you know, this is my first sports love. I love the Marlins before any other sports team down here. You know, my grandfather and I had season tickets. And so I didn't want to go the same route with – it doesn't mean that you're not frustrated with what had gone on, but – I just wanted to come at it with a different angle. So at the time I was, uh, I was uh, the morning show executive producer, but I had a lot of on-air uh, responsibility. And I just thought it would be funny to have an over-the-top positive character um, with the Marlins. And we're always, you know, we like wrestling. We like pro wrestling on the show. Um, and we, everybody knows about the, uh, the guy Marlins man, the guys who are on the orange Jersey. Yeah. Uh, I've done, you know, I've had conversations before. I think he's kind of a, like a charlatan with, with like, you know, just look at me, you know who I am. It's like, all right, calm down, man. But he's a bit of a cartoon character, but I thought it would be funny to have almost even an amped up even version of him. Uh, so I was just like, well, what if we took, uh, instead of Marlins, man, he's macho Marlins, man. And, uh, 
And then he'd just be ridiculous about everything. He'd be like, ooh, yeah, Chad, balls to the Wallach. Going out there, getting a big hit. Uh, and, and I don't know, it just kind of went on from there. Uh, and so it was do, we were doing it as like an on-air bit where I'd fire up the music and I would just do it, um, you know, for the radio audience. But then I was like, well, what happens if I, you know, just get a teal bandana and I had this uh, authentic Kevin Millar cutoff jersey that I feel like if Macho Man was a baseball fan, that would be what he wears. And so... I got that. Uh, I bought a, a pack of uh, teal bandanas uh, and, a, and a pair of cheap Macho Man sunglasses. And then uh, I actually, the funny thing is, the one that I wear now, a listener sent to me because he liked the bit so much. He sent me uh, an old Marlins logo bandana. And so that kind of became the gimmick. I put the teal ones on his wristbands, the, uh, the, uh, the bandana on with the, the terrible wig, which was from an old bit. That thing's we've had forever. And um, it just kind of took off like that, man. So I started making videos on social media. The Marlins fans seemed to dig it because it seemed something a little bit different. Like, okay, you know, I can get behind this. This is like a different vibe than what people normally cover the Marlins with, especially local local media. Yeah. And uh, I think they were just having fun. And then, you yeah. know, we ended up doing a couple uh, watch parties at the ballpark and took a ton of selfies with people there. The best one was uh, – we did it. It was last year. Um, can't remember who they're playing. I feel like they were playing the Giants, and they had a walk. And uh, they were they had a big comeback walk-off win. We were in the Clevelander because a guy who worked at our station uh, was actually the DJ in the Clevelander. <laughs> and so I rolled down to the Clevelander. I told my producer Robbie at the time, I'm like, "Look, if they win this game, I'm jumping in the pool. I'm doing flying elbow into the pool. Macho Man's finishing maneuver." And they ended up doing it. And the security guard. He looks at me as I get to the top of the pool, and he goes, don't do it. And I was like, come on, let me do it. He goes, no, don't don't jump in the pool. I, nobody's going to the Clevelander pool at this point. Uh, but I kind of like my guy who was the DJ there, he kind of just gave him like the wink, the nod, and he goes almost like uh, uh, he almost like looked away, like, all right, don't let me see you do it. And so flying elbow right into the pool, celebratory walk-off win, Love and uh, – it was it was great, man. So yeah, that's that's kind of the backstory of it. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I do love the content, and uh, there's definitely a place for that, right? Some uh, you know some ultra hype Marlins content. Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Just like I said, it's 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 good to crank up the silliness every now and then. And um, the players, have, I think the thing that's I like about it the most is the players have dug it. Like I'll, I was like I've tagged guys on social media on it and. You know, Alcantara has retweeted it. Miguel Rojas, Garrett mm-hmm. Cooper, Caleb Caleb Smith was super into it. I'm I'm a little bummed he's gone, uh, just from a content standpoint because he's always been a great guest and he really dig the bit. But uh, yeah, guys guys have been cool about it too. So I, I think I think it's been good from that standpoint all around. Love it. Well, let's let's not dive into Caleb just yet. Let's just hold back a little sure. bit on that one. Pull the reins. So. I've already mentioned we've only played 30 games, which is nuts. 15 and 15, but oh boy, in that time, so much has gone on. But how can you, how can you try and summarize things so far? Um, if you can, like if indeed you can summarize the 2020 Marlins. <laughs> it's funny because like, I guess if we were, if you and I as fans, if we were to step back and say, hey, they were flooding around 500 through the first month, we'd be pretty pleased with that. And it's funny because they got off to such a good start 
with all of the stuff that they had to deal with, it's weird that it kind of feels like they should be a little bit better, like a little bit of a disappointment. But if you actually were to step back and think about, wow, they had over half of their team missing. They had a completely demolished bullpen and we're bringing up prospects left and right guys getting their first taste of the major leagues. They're giving them numbers in the sixties. So it doesn't even feel like they're in the big leagues. You know, it's all patchwork together day in and day out. I mean, ultimately I think you have to be pretty pleased with the record, especially with the feeling that the team is trying to tweak some things to go for it a little bit, that they feel good about the, uh, the young guys. Um, I would say it was nice to see recently this, the, the bats are coming back around because I was disappointed over this recent series against the Rays, even though the Rays are great. Mm-hmm. I just thought that the performances you got from Sixto and Pablo, like mm-hmm. I, you never want to waste those, never want to waste those. And I was, I was, I was just a little bit bummed. I was like, man, I felt like they, they, they blew a big opportunity here. Um, you know, it ends up, you know, they bounce back. You know, I think you probably look at that and you say, yeah, but then you go and, you travel across the night and beat Jacob deGrom, uh, it all bounces out. But, you know, I think we want to be back at that point where we don't want the Marlins to be just the cute story. Like we want to have high expectations night in and night out. And um, that's what I kind of want this season, I think, to ultimately end with is I want to feel like, all right, I, I don't want to just have like the fluffy feel good nights where like, oh, that was a, that was a good month. Like you want to feel like you had a good season. And um, I think for this, for the most part, um, Yes, it has been a pretty decent season, and there's been some real, real shining lights. But um, almost because of how how much fortitude they showed with everything through the COVID thing, like you almost wish it was a tweak better. But I think it's 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 pretty it's been pretty damn good. It's been it's been pretty it's been a pretty decent from from yeah. what you you with everything that they had to deal with. All all being equal, 500 ball after the first month with what they what they've had to go through is. I think is 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 a good performance. Um, Absolutely. Favorite moment or win of the year so far? Who? My favorite moment. I honestly, I would say, I would, I would say, my favorite moment of the season. I've really loved watching Sixto pitch. I think that's been uh, that's been one of my my favorite things to see because he looks like the 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 real deal as far as a star is concerned because. I feel like we've looked at this year with all these prospects that have come up and they've shown flashes of potential, but you're looking for that guy who can really be, you know, the face of your franchise, the real star. So I think just the moments of seeing him come through have been, uh, have, have been pretty cool. Like he looks like the absolute, like, a, like an absolute star, mm. um, which is what you want. Like when you deal a guy like JT Real Muto, you hope that you're going to get somebody of his caliber back. Um, although Miggy Rowe coming off of like a hundred days of no baseball and hitting a home run was a pretty cool moment as well, too. Yeah, absolutely. I, the thing is, there's there's so many good performances or little highlights that have already have already happened in such a short space. But you're right on the sixto front. I've been absolutely blown away by him. Actually, like I, yeah. I hadn't really seen him pitch much before. If I'm if I'm honest, just I was going off rumors and hyperbole i guess but yeah wow he came out and absolutely delivered for me i tweeted exactly what you said earlier i, I tweeted it out as well those two starts that the sixto pablo starts 
it's so it it just feels so demoralizing to waste those starts because they were just so good to not get anything out of those games was was really demoralizing i i, I felt but sixto looks he looks the nuts doesn't he i mean he, he does man no. he does and pablo i didn't expect this from pablo like i thought i honestly thought the guys that would be you know lead the rotation were going to be sandy and caleb um but pablo's been so good he's made caleb expendable um and man, and that was a good one too. I mean, when he when he got that win for his dad, I mean mm-hmm. that was, I mean it was pretty it was pretty hard not to get uh, tugged on the heartstrings for that too. But I I I didn't expect this from Pablo. He's been pretty he's been pretty awesome too. So to feel like once Sandy gets right and he is you know back in shape, um, I mean it it's not it, it's hard not to to feel very very optimistic about what they have going out on the bump almost every night. And Eliezer has been pretty fantastic as well. So, I, I mean, that's what it all comes down to, man. If you can get those guys who can go shut people down every single night, that's, that's absolutely huge. It's just a matter of if they can get enough runs for them right now. And, I, you know, you hoped that that was going to be a little bit more assured. Um, you know, there's still some growing pains going there, I think, with the lineup, though. Yeah. Well, uh, just before we dive into some of the trades, because um, we've, we've mentioned Caleb twice, so we're kind of, we're getting to that point, we need to talk about it. But just on uh, on the offense side, Aguilar, for me, coming into the year, there was a few question marks, but I, I, I could see that it could turn into something good. Yeah. What have you made of him so far? Uh, I mean, obviously, like, getting off to a towards start has been huge, um, you know, the health thing is a little bit is is a little bit worrisome, but I think the thing that um, was very noticeable from Jesus is that he definitely I think brings some kind of calming demeanor to the to the lineup. Like interviewing this year, uh, Brian Anderson and uh, and Corey Dickerson. I mean, they both have mentioned what an important guy he is in the clubhouse, and I do think that. Um, you know, having that kind of effect on the other guys in the field is uh, is going to be huge. Um, you know, it is interesting, you know, bringing up Lewin, like what was that going to do for his playing time? The DH helps with that. But mm-hmm. I think that they just – I think that having that infectious uh, that infectious guy is always a big help for sure. Um, but from my standpoint, I think I think you still got to trust it. I, I, you know, he definitely doesn't look like the guy completely lost that was last year. Um it's not quite to his all-star form, but but I think it's been – I've been more pleased than I have disappointed with Jesus for sure. Yeah. I, you keep mentioning guys, and I keep on asking you questions about these guys. I can't, I can't help it. There's just so many – you know, we've seen you so can, many. Yeah, you can fire away, man, as much but as you want. The, the, the other thing just, – just one final one. Lewin, the glove. How smooth is that glove? Sick. I mean, one of my favorite players of all time was Derek Lee, and it wasn't even that, uh, you know, it wasn't even his hitting. I loved watching Derek Lee field. I, I think it's such an underrated thing to have a first baseman who can, you know, cap off those double plays, can save you runs that way. I think it's absolutely huge. Uh, he's so smooth, man. I think he also just like – I just like the vibe of Lewin Diaz, the way he plays. He just looks cool. I like the way he holds his bat at the – at like it's nearly like down his belt lines. It looks like a dude with a couple of nunchucks, just like ready to 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 spray on the baseball. I really like, yeah, I, lo- I love watching that guy. I love like, watching him play. Uh, every it's uh, it's been it's been fun watching that 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 develop from him. Yeah, yeah, it has and and you know 
big knock for him as well last night. Um, but let's get it. I mean, actually, <laughs> this whole deadline, the one thing that, you know, the way it played out, the Marlins ended up having to play a game when we shouldn't have been playing on this deadline day. Yeah. Um, just what's your take on this whole one game series in the midst of two, you know, home stands all the way back to New York? Like, it just felt a bit wrong, in my opinion. Oh, I'm with you, man. It's been garbage. Uh, it's been all of it has been pretty horrible with how the franchise has been treated, I think, by the people that cover it nationally, Major League Baseball, the commissioner, all that type of stuff. I, you know, I'm not a fan of Rob Manfred as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, haven't been for a while, even when it came down to the sale of the team. But, yeah, like, the whole idea of them squeezing this schedule in the way they has has been pretty crazy. But then the idea of how the Marlins were treated compared to other teams, like they were somehow in the wrong because they got a disease that's spreading through the world, um, is wild to me. And, and, you know, every other sport is adjusting – just fine with having to do the protests that were going down in, in our country. And, you know, I got it. Like we're, you know, we're in a time right now in our country where there's a lot of, uh, the, there's, a, there's a lot of people who are pissed off. We're going into an election year and, um, you know, athletes want to use their platform. They want to do something with a purpose. Um, but with every other sport, we're moving along just fine, which is okay. We'll delay it a couple of days. Not that hard. You know, the, you know, the NBA is in a little bit of a goofy situation because, you know, the East has kind of moved on to one round while the West is in another round, but they'll be fine. And for them to make the Marlins just fly up the coast to get a game in, you know, it just seems so unnecessary. <clears throat> Could we see how the season plays out, then throw one in at the end? While all these, uh, you know, the what the playoffs are going to be wacky as it is anyway. So yeah, I just thought it was really unfair. Why not do it in a situation where they're going to be a little bit closer to go from Miami up back? It was, uh, it was trash, man. It was, it was a trash move by the league. But it's uh, unfortunately, it's not really unexpected for how the Marlins are treated. I feel like compared to the rest of the sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. But on the back of that. How sweet is it to come back with a W, though, right? After- Huge, yeah. Because <laughs> because that was the other thing. It's like, oh yeah, and you get to come and you get to face Degrom. We're like, great, because that hasn't been a pain in the ass as it is. <laughs> um, but that was, you know, I, it definitely was one of the biggest wins of the season, no doubt about it. Um, especially again, you're, you're just throwing a young buck out there on the mound to, to, to start in Trevor Rogers. He's just starting his career up, and you know, it just felt good. I, I love seeing the offense you're getting from all over the place, the contributions you're getting from Garrett Cooper right off the bat has been pretty awesome. Uh, Brian, Brian Anderson needed that in in the worst way possible. I know that I, I definitely thought that, you know, he'd be a little bit more consistent this season. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was huge to see that. And then, you know, what you get from, from uh, Mickey Rose, always, always reliable. And, and Alfaro, I thought it's huge to get it from him too, because he's also just kind of working his way back in the fold. So it's good to see that, like we were talking about where they are record wise, you're starting to see, okay, the guys that you were missing are starting to contribute, you know, Miggy, Jorge and, and Garrett, Hey, they were pretty good players and look where you guys were without them. 
see what you could do now with this final month with them, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <clears throat> you know, what a win. It was a massive, massive win on the back of a shitty situation. But what, what it meant was we ended up with an early game, which is great from a UK fan's perspective, I must say. So I, I, I swallowed the pill that we had to play that game at that time, but it meant that I get, I get to watch it at a decent hour. So that was good. That's good. Um, then you've got the trade deadline kicking into gear. You know, the Padres are, are trading for everyone under the sun, but there's rumors circulating for various Marlins players. Um, the lineup's announced. VR's in the lineup, but I think it was pretty clear the Marlins were, were trying to, to move VR, and that was kind of ongoing. So it kind of meant it was probably going to have this weird situation where if he starts he's probably going to get pulled at some point, which is exactly how it played out. But so let's start with the, the VR one, you know, firstly, what did you make of him anyway? I mean, we had, you know, 30 odd games or just under of, of Jonathan VR. What did you actually think of him as a player before we kind of get to the trade? It was, it was tough to get a grasp of him. I know that they were super pumped to have him. I mean, Don Mattingly, was like smiling ear to ear to have a guy like him. They talked about him being the best athlete on the team. Mm -hmm. I remember being at spring training the first day that he spoke and he didn't seem all too thrilled about playing center. Yeah. I saw that so, too, actually. On the, um, I, I think well, you, you would have did, done that in person, right? The spring training. Yeah. Yeah. It was my only day I got to go. Um, and I remember him just like, yeah, you know, I remember Mish was asking about him and he was like, he didn't seem that into the idea of playing center field. And so, you know, we kind of stumbled into this position because the Isan that he was able to go to his natural spot, which I, you know, you always think is probably going to help a guy. You won't have to focus on learning this new outfield, but I didn't know like, you know, uh, bringing, you know, he's, he's a bit of a throwback player as far as like, you know, still bringing the stolen bases and all that type of stuff. But um, I wasn't floored with him. I wasn't like, wow, this is for sure the best guy on the team. <clears throat> I was a little surprised to see that they moved on just from the standpoint of how much they were happy to have him early on in the year. Um, you know, but I get it, you know, especially once we got, the, it all kind of seemed like it was falling into place once you got the Eson news. And once you found out that he was coming back and, uh, it was funny. It was just like watching Craig Mish's Twitter account. It was like a, it was like a whirlwind watching all the news that was flying in. And so you feel like, you know, you're getting, uh, you know, Isan back, which, you know, is great. I love to have Isan back. I was really looking forward to what this year was going to be for him, but you are getting another guy who's kind of coming in cold. So that, that's going to be interesting, but you feel like you really upgraded, I think from the standpoint of getting Marte, I think that that's, that's, that's huge with, how all the dominoes kind of kind of played out. Mm -hmm. If Isan, if Isan doesn't come back, do you think they hold on to VR? I don't know. I I don't know. Um, that's a good question. I, yeah. I think that you probably would think that um, that's a possibility. I mean, I suppose they could have gone, you know, maybe in the direction of you know Birdie or somebody like that, or somebody who can play every kind of position there, but. Um, and that guy's awesome. Like every time he goes in there, you never know if he's going to go home and, you know, steal home or whatever, literally <laughs> crazy. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that that certainly had probably something to do with it. Mm -hmm. The Eson thing was always strange to me because 
Um, I don't, you know, and it's tough to get a read on the story because I remember asking uh, Jeter about it and they can only give you the company line. Like you're in the midst of a pandemic. Only thing people can tell you is, yeah, we support his decision, but I'd really love to like, know, like over a cocktail with Derek Jeter, like, what did you think about a guy who's doesn't even have a few months in the major leagues just saying, yeah, no, thanks. I'm not playing baseball. I'm worried about my health. I found that very, very interesting. I don't know Isan's family situation. I don't know if he has like health concerns or he has a kid or what. I just found it, you know, very strange as a guy who uh, isn't in the position of the more athletes who are sitting out like, you know, um, what escapes my mind right now, but it's just more said like, uh, like David Price, who's like just yeah. sitting out the season, but he's made millions and millions of dollars. So I just found the whole Easton thing fascinating from the get-go that he decided not to play baseball um, once everything went down with the Marlins. Maybe he really thought that the Marlins weren't going to continue. Like, you know, maybe that's what went down. Like maybe he was in a situation where he thought, oh, there's no way this is going to work. Yeah. Um, sitting in the hotel for, for a month. Yeah. I don't know. And, and I know like, you know, I know that the guys had a really hard time with that, 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 that the whole being bottled up in a hotel was no fun, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's, it'll be, it'll be definitely interesting to see what he's going to bring to the table. Well, before we, we talk about the return for VR, I do need to quickly follow up on one point you made there. Just, just so we can check this out. When was your last cocktail sit down with, with Jeter? Just so, uh, just so. Oh, we- never. It was funny, man. <laughs> You know what? It was funny because I gave Jeter a hard time when he first got the gig here. Um, I do think – I have been impressed with the job that he has. I just thought that – I thought when the Marlins were getting Derek Jeter, I was like, it feels like they're just shoving Derek Jeter down the throat because he was – remember with the story thing, they were just – he was like almost hopping ownership groups, it felt like. They were just adding new guys onto him. Um, you know, but I have been impressed with – I got to say, I've been impressed with everything that they've done, but it was funny. I remember we did one broadcast – uh, they had us out at spring training. We did when I was when I was on the morning show. I was hosting in the afternoons, and uh, so they had us out for a spring training game, and it was cool. They put us out literally in the picnic table because all you need is a little board and an internet connection. So they literally put us on the picnic table on the porch in Jupiter, right outside Derek Jeter's office. And you know, so you're walking through the offices and you see Gary Denbo's office and Mike Hill's office, and then you get to Derek Jeter's office, obviously the nicest office. And uh, his secretary just comes in after we are about to start because he hadn't been in yet. Uh, he was obviously about to enter the office. And she just like almost, almost like a limousine putting down the partition just as like th- this radio show. <laughs> no, not outside Mr. Jeter's office. So I, don't, I just thought that was wholly funny. Like Jeter has no time to be around sports talk radio host. He's like, no. come on, Derek mother bleeping Jeter. No. So, well, hopefully at some point you do get to share that cocktail uh, with, with, with Jeter. So, you know, look forward to that one. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, VR is moved mid-game, as, uh, as is the norm, seemingly. Um, and it's for a, a player to be named later. Um, and I guess it won't be official-official until the off-season, I think, is, is the rules around that one as as the, the guy coming back isn't on the 60 man. I think that's in the player pool or whatever. Um, so, but anyway, I think we all know that it's Griffin Conine that's um, coming back as part of that. It was a second round pick for, for the Blue Jays um, in 2018, I think it was. So a couple of years ago, second round pick. 
he's got a power bat, but I mean the name straight away, yeah. the name looks good from a Marlins perspective. But what, what's your take on that trade anyway in general? You know, VR moved on, Conine back or will be will be back as part of that. I yeah, I honestly don't know much about Jeff's kid. Uh, other than the stats that you looked up too, like I, it looks like he he he's got a power bat. I saw that he, I think he got a suspension for stimulants a couple of years back, like a fifty game suspension, which I'm all for. Listen, I love PEDs in baseball. I miss that stuff. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's you know, a man take that one there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm serious. I don't. I I I love the steroid era, man. That was my, that was my childhood. Um, I. Uh, I think it's a cool story. I think it's a cool story. I know that's got to be obviously super cool for Mike Hill because him and Jeff are close. Um, and, you know, I will say that looks that that has been like the lifeblood of the Blue Jays organization has been signing all those major league kids. We'll get a look at that coming up again. So obviously they have a belief that that turns into something and it looks like it's obviously come to fruition because they got a lot of them in their major league lineup. Um, but yeah, I don't know much about Griffin other than what you what you dropped. I guess he, well, he wasn't technically in the player pool, right? So that's why yeah. he wasn't he's not able to be named. So right. I, you know, uh, I wonder what that'll be for them. I wonder if they'll let him, you know, get some time in a camp because they've called up so many young guys or what. That'll be interesting to see how yeah. that goes for him. But it, but it's a super cool story. I mean, I'm sure that's got. I'm sure Conine, who still does a lot in the community here that's got to mean the world to him that a local kid's going to come back and uh, have a chance to, to have an impact on the club that even if he doesn't love the nickname, Mr. Marlin, I mean, that's still got to be pretty, that's got to be a name that comes full circle. That's still got to be pretty damn cool for him. Absolutely. I mean, the story will be excellent. You know, it'll be, you know, how he develops and how he fits in the system and, and whatever that yeah, will, will, will be the, the true meaning of it. But even so, it's going to be a great one to follow. I, seemingly the Marlins were keen on taking him is the rumor like mm -hmm. in that kind of second round pick that the Blue Jays picked in front and and took him so it sounds like they've they've kind of covered him and, and scouted him before so you know we'll see I mean with these trades for prospects you know you can't tell until a few years down the line so um the the the, the uh Rumors carried on then, I guess. So VR's moved. Isan's coming back. Craig Mish's Twitter is going absolutely bananas. Yep. In the middle of a game, the Marlins are on a big tear against DeGrom as well. I'm trying to cook up some burgers. Everything is going on all at once. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. But then these, these rumors start to come into full, full focus, I think, for Starling Marte, that he's, well, he's available and the Marlins are in on him. And um, then next thing is that one's um, announced, I guess, with three players, I think, going back the other way. You've already mentioned one uh, a couple of times, our man, uh, Caleb Smith, Dr. K. Um, Humberto Mejia going back as well, and a, a, another player to be named later. So three guys back for Marte, who uh, obviously has the final year of this contract, plus an option for next year, around about 12 mil, I think it is. So yeah. I guess similar kind of number to where VR was at. So um, first of all, let's... Let's touch on Caleb. I mean, you've already mentioned it, but for me, he just seemed like a straight-up dude. He had yeah. an all-star level first half in 2019. He was awesome. Obviously got hurt, I think, just in and around that, around the half. So, um, you know, that kind of, I guess, scuppered his all-star thing. But what's your views on Caleb? I know you've already already said he's, he's, a, he's a great guy. I'm a really, yeah, like I'm a, I'm a big fan of what he was. I know that uh... – He's, he was searching for that magic that was there for him early last year. Um, 
And obviously it's a tough thing when you're trying to search for that and you got like one start under your belt and then your season's kind of derailed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a fascinating thing from the organizational standpoint, because this is a couple years in a row. Now we've seen them go into their rotation and pull the trigger on a move for what they think is going to help them with the everyday lineup. Um, I know we haven't quite seen all that stuff unfold for, uh, for the Zach Allen trade, but um but they did it again with Caleb Smith. So I find that uh, a fascinating philosophy from their standpoint that they uh, have what they think is pretty good in the rotation, but that doesn't feel like it's satisfying the organization. Like they it, pretty good or any of that stuff. They want to go with excellent when it comes to what they're throwing out there every single day. Um, you know, Caleb wasn't the youngest dude in the world, even though he's a lefty. So usually those guys may last a little bit longer theoretically um you know they probably thought that they maybe got the best ceiling out of him and um you know that they have that they definitely feel like right now they have a plethora of pitching and that they need to get some consistency in that lineup and if you get a guy like Marte who may not you know be a guy that would sign with them necessarily in free agency but you could trade for him and you could lock him in on a team option um I get it. I, 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 I you know, I, I get it. I mean, I, I, it pains me to see a guy like Caleb go because I really do, like you said, I do like the guy and mm-hmm. I think he is a good player. You just need to shake some things out. But I also know if you look at this, this team from a fan or a media perspective, you can see where they need to pick things up and where they're strong. And it felt like they're strong in pitching, but they needed to, to add some, they got to add some sticks to that lineup that can show up every single day. Yeah. Well summarized, I think that's, you know, really when we strip it back, that's what it's about, right? They, there's plenty of arms or enough arms to keep them going. That's where the strength is now, which is amazing to say as a Marlins fan anyway, that we've, we've got too many arms, but you know, yeah. really, that's, that's kind of where we're at. And for us to really push on this year, yeah, to, to coin your phrase, needed a few more sticks in the lineup. So I, I like that one. Um, and, you know, Marte, do you, do you know much about him? I mean, I haven't, massively followed Marte as a player but you know no he's you know I haven't either I know that but I've you know asked around people think it's a it's a huge upgrade um you know that 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 it's certainly especially in that outfield that's been they've been looking for security although I will say and I know you feel uh, privy to this too I've been liking what I've been seeing from Lewis Brinson this year mm-hmm. I think that uh you know whatever mentally happened with him in the off season it does feel like it's click because I feel like he's got a better idea what's going on at the plate. He does seem like he's hitting the ball a lot harder. Um, I get being very thin on patience with him, though. If you really feel like you're going to go and contend, you don't necessarily have the time to see if the Brinson experiment can work out again. But um, but I but if it does come down to, I do think he's definitely good enough to be on the roster and and provide something every now and then for them because I've been in, I've been very happy with his, his second go around so far. Um, yeah. Cause I do, cause I think he even realizes it's probably his last legs, but look, um, there is a shift in the organization to them not wanting to just be a developmental project. They really feel like they can make the postseason, They can get some meaningful games under their belt. And I think that's a big step for them. They don't want it. Even if this is a wacky season, at the end of the day, everybody's going through it. So if you can be one of the teams that gets to get to the second season, I do think that means a lot for this organization, especially our guy Jeets, who, uh, 
you know, has done a whole lot of winning in his career. He knows the value in that. Yeah, absolutely. So just a couple more and I'll let you go. Um, Mike Hill, how impressed have you been with, with Mike Hill? Not just, I mean, not just deadline day, but just in general, like the last, well, couple of years really, but this year in particular, his, his, his telephone has been on fire. Yeah, I think that, uh, I think Mike's always got a lot of catching up to do with me as far as a, a fan is concerned, just because he's been in the organization for a lot of the bad stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, but he definitely seems like he's got a better support system. That's definitely for sure. And um, I think especially with this, you know, this Real Muto trade, if that can be ended up what he gets as a bona fide ace, I think that'll finally kind of shake the rust off of you've dealt, uh, you know, you were part of the Miguel Cabrera trade. You were in the room for that. You were the Yelich trade and you haven't really bared fruit on that. So it would be nice to see him get a win and get some elite guys. But uh, it does feel like he has that support system. And I do think that that is helping him a lot that he is. um, He doesn't have a crazy person as his owner you know, who's like, I signed a catcher. I don't know who he is. Like, you know, what he, what he had to deal with in Jeffrey Loria. Uh, I mean, it, it's a, it, it's a marvel that he's still even in the sport, you know, yeah. to think, you know, he's lucky that he didn't go the way, the way of Larry Beinfest where, you know, they did just cast him off and we haven't really heard of, you know, Larry's a champion GM. We never really heard from him again. Yeah. Um, so it is good that Mike's getting this chance almost at a redemption with some normalcy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it does, it does definitely feel like he's, he's turning a bit of a corner, uh, yeah. especially this last, this last year or so. Good. Any cocktails with Loria back in the day as well or, or not? No, no. <laughs> it was funny, man. We did this one. T- I'm not, I remember this one time where, uh, he, uh, his card leaked, uh, his business card leaked on the internet. And uh, my buddy and I, we were producers, so we were trying to do a bit of like trying to call him down, and he like hung up on us a couple of times. We could never get through. But oh, I mean, what a what what a pompous ass that guy is. I mean, just like uh, I mean, when he would just say things like, you know, people would come congratulate me at the wine and cheese festival. We're like, really, dude? Uh, all right, great. No, I it can't. I mean, it doesn't get any better than him being gone. Trust me, it's yeah. it's it's great. I mean. And honestly, like just mostly from this, like it feels like you have a normal, um, just a normal steady baseball front office, not just doing stuff on a whim, not just firing a manager because of, you know, you didn't like that he didn't double switch or some nonsense like that. You know, I think that's the best part of Loria being gone. Yes, he was also a massive cheapskate, but. Uh, you know, plenty. I do think there's been plenty of organizations that have done good things in baseball, not spending a ton of money. It was just the inconsistency of it all. One day I want to spend money, the next day I want to, you know, not spend money. One day I want to pay Wei and Chen eighty million dollars on this weird deal. Like it's, I think that's the best part of it is you don't have, you literally don't have a lunatic running the team. <laughs> so, <laughs> baby steps for the Marlins, I guess. Um, so to finish up. How how do you think they go the rest of the way? Do they make the playoffs? I think they are. You know, I, I'm I'm a believer in these arms, uh, Pete. I, I really I I you know I know it's only been a couple starts, but I think that Sixto looks like a he looks like a star, man. Mm-hmm. He looks like a star. His stuff looks untouchable. 
it it reminds you a lot of when Jose would take the mound. I was talking about this on my show the other day. He doesn't have the he doesn't have the swagger of Jose, mm-hmm. but you could just tell right away when Jose pitched as a 19 year old, a 20 year old, like, oh, he looks different. And I think that Sixto's stuff just looks filthy and different. His changeup is is so nasty. He throws 100 miles without even trying. Um, and then you add on top of that, you have an all star coming back into the into the into the wing with uh, with Sandy and and Pablo's been amazing and. I, I do think that you have to trust that on these nights uh, you have a, you have a lot of faith in the pitching. I'm not crazy about the bullpen of everything they're trying to patch together, obviously. So that's always a nervous thing. If you have to have uh, a long game put together. Um, but ultimately I'm a guy who, who believes if you got the best guy going to start the game for the majority of the game, I think that they got enough of that to, to carry through, uh, especially with this NL East, which is not, I think, what people thought it was going to be coming into the yeah. year. Yeah, yeah exactly. <clears throat> well, I'll, I'll hand it over to Macho Marlins man to finish up with his NL East final standings prediction. So let's see what he's got for us. Oh, yeah. Prediction? Champions of the NL East, yeah. Bravo's not going to take us. Chapel, Mets, worst organization in all the professional sports. Philadelphia Phillies with their pretty boy, Bryce Harper and JT Real Huto, the ingrate. Don't like him. Nationals, fat cats off of champagne. They're not going to win. Fish are going to first place. Hungriest team, best team. Not going to be stopped. No further questions, Mean Gene. Snap into an Annalise champion, Slim Jim. No better place to finish than, than that. I mean... Slim Jims, victory Slim Jims it is. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely awesome. Listen, Brendan, that was a lot of fun. For those who aren't following you on Twitter, where can they get you at? Uh, Twitter and Instagram, at Brendan, B-R-E-N-D-A-N underscore Tobin, T-O-B-I-N. Um, download the Tobin and Leroy podcast, uh, available on Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are available. Uh, four episodes every single day. We put up each hour of the show. And uh, you can look up Tobin's show on YouTube as well. We put up some best of clips. And if you guys like Marlon's interviews, uh, particularly for this uh, podcast, we got uh, some great stuff from the season that's pretty timeless. Corey Dickerson, uh, Brian Anderson, um, Derek Lee, we did a fantastic interview with. So we got a lot, of, a lot of good stuff up there for the Marlins fan to check out. And there's even a playlist that's right up there from on the YouTube page. You go to Tobin's show and there's one that says Marlon's interviews and Marlon's media and I'll put a lot of press conferences up there as well uh, if there's anything super newsworthy. Um, so I think that's a good place for you guys to go check out some stuff as well. Awesome. Listen, so good to have you on. So good to talk. And, and thanks as well for, for Macho Marlins, man, for, for dropping by too. Um, hope you enjoyed you, that you, too was, as well, right? <laughs> I did, man. I did. And uh, anytime you, uh, you need me, just uh, hit me up. I'm happy to do it. And uh, you do great work, man. I'm a big fan of uh, your Twitter account. It's been, uh, it's been great to see that the fish are, uh, are loved all over the place. Absolutely. Good man. Appreciate it. So that's episode 60 in the books. We will be back later this week with the regular UK goats. Stay tuned for that one. Thanks guys. Be back soon. Mm-hmm.